Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. But uh, Psalms 27, verse 4, says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, inquire for, and uh, insistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence, all the days of my life. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We just ask your blessing upon this message today, and that you would just, just touch your people, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to talk to you um, on the thought of God wants you to host his presence. Now, this phrase, uh, some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you may not have heard it very many times, but uh, it's actually pretty popular now in church culture. And uh, so you'll hear it a lot these days about hosting his presence. And um, uh, someone might even say, oh, you host his presence so well Uh, if they're complimenting the presence of God on your life. Uh, But what I want you to realize is that this is, uh, some people don't even know what it means, and maybe that's you. Uh, And the reason they don't know what it means is because this really is not a new thought. It's just a new way of saying it. When someone's talking about hosting God's presence, it's talking about living a life led by the Spirit. And uh, Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Once we're born again, we're supposed to begin living a life led by the Spirit. And when you live a life led by the Spirit, you're going to host the presence of God. You're going to have His presence with you. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We're supposed to be thinking about spiritual things. We're supposed to be focused on our spiritual walk with the Lord and uh, that relationship with Him. And so we're just going to talk from our hearts today a little bit on that thought of God wanting you to host His presence. God wanting you to live a life uh, led by the Spirit. Uh, I've read a few books on uh, Catherine Kuhlman and uh, a great uh, healing evangelist. And uh, there's a story about her where she was doing a conference, crusade, what it, meeting, whatever it would have been called in those days. Same thing. A lot of, this, a lot of the stuff now, everybody thinks it's brand new, and it's, it's always been here. It's just got a different way of saying it, saying it now. But she was having a meeting, and, and it was so packed, they thought that maybe the best way to get her out of there from point A to point B, they would just cut through the kitchen at this hotel. And she's walking through the kitchen, and as people are prepping food and doing their, their duties, they start falling out under the, the power and the presence of God as she's just walking through the room. She's not talking to anybody. She's not praying for anybody. She's really trying not to make eye contact with anybody. But it was just the presence of God uh, upon her life. God wants us all to host His presence. 
Now, that doesn't mean that everywhere we go, we're, we're going to want people falling out. We're not going to want that to happen. Especially at lunchtime when you want them to get your food ready. Yeah, especially if they're... Leaving the people out of the kitchen. If they're working on my order, I don't want Catherine Coleman going anywhere near that kitchen. I want my food. But we decided to kind of do a, a little bit of a different approach with this today because there, there are some amazing books out there about the presence of God. Uh, and I recommend you, you find some of those and, and, and read them. There, 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 there's a lot of good ones. But we want to talk to you today looking at it kind of differently. We want to talk about three reasons, and they're not the only reasons, but three reasons why people choose not to live a life led by the Spirit or why they choose not to host the presence of God in their life. And the first thing that we thought of to begin with was that everyone wants to be first pick. I don't think anybody in here would say, oh, no, nah, don't worry about it. I'd rather be second pick. We want to be first pick. Everyone wants to be the first choice or the first pick, but it seems like 99% of people don't feel good enough to be the first pick. And Aaron brought up Catherine Coleman, and it was actually pretty incredible because you think that these people who the Lord just dwells on and, and all these miracles happen, that they just... They have all this confidence that, that they know for certain this is exactly what the Lord intended for them. They knew this was exactly the plan. I mean, if someone fell out when I was walking through the kitchen, I mean, that's pretty incredible. But Catherine Coleman herself, she said that she believed that the Lord had called other people before her to do that, but they had been unwilling to obey. She actually said, I believe God's first choice for this ministry was a man, his second choice too. But no man was willing to pay the price. I was just naive enough to say, take nothing and use it. And he's been doing that ever since. I mean, that's, you feel like almost emotionally when you hear that, like take nothing and use it. I mean, the Lord just loves doing that. But the thing to remember is that sometimes what we consider being first choice, our first pick, isn't God's choice. Trust God's plan for your life. Trust God's timing, because timing is everything. My mother told me this, I don't know how many times growing up. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing, right? Timing is everything. And trust that God wants you to host his presence at every point in his plan for you. So let's look at King David from the Bible, but not, not the moment that you're probably thinking, because every time you hear David, it's almost like your mind autom automatically fills out, and Goliath. But we're talking about before then, when he was just a boy. It started but way before the Goliath moment. He tended his father's sheep while his older brothers were gone to war. He was faithful. You see, he wasn't his father's first choice to go and fight and honor the family name. The father, his father chose to leave him behind, to stay behind, to do a safer job, and to stay close to home. But when David showed up to deliver food to his brothers, doing again something that the father told him to do, everything changed. David was called to defend God to Goliath because all else had failed. All the first picks had failed and the people were desperate. Just like David, we cannot let pride ruin our opportunity because we're upset that we weren't first choice. Because that opportunity hasn't been wrapped in that pretty package that we imagined that it should be. Sometimes divine moments, divine opportunities are presented differently than we expect, but that does not mean that they are not from God. Don't feel left out because you aren't in the glory of the battlefront, because God may just be preparing you just like David for that opportune moment. Now, some of you might not realize this, but last month there was a special event that happened. <laughs> Valentine's Day. 
not Valentine's Day, but Michael Jordan turned 60 years old last month um, on February 17th. So uh, when Heather and I first got married, she found it odd that I, that I would always tell her it was Michael Jordan's birthday. But um, he has a lot of stories. If you fo- I love reading them over and over or listening to them over and over that they've now become myths and legends. They add, keep... They keep getting added to, and they keep getting added to and added to over and over. And, uh, and everyone talks about how Michael Jordan got cut from the basketball team in high school. And yeah, so even Michael Jordan wasn't first pick. And, uh, but the story really had, makes total sense when you know what happened. But at this time, there, Michael Jordan was in 10th grade. Uh, it was junior high and high school back then, not middle school and high school. So... He's in tenth grade, and he's only somewhere between five foot nine and five foot ten, not six foot six like he is now. So that's like the difference in me standing next to Justin or Talmadge in here. I'd pick you back. And uh, your team would probably lose. (laughs) (laughs) So the coach, because the coach has gotten all kind of grief of how could you cut Michael Jordan? He really wasn't cut. He just played on the JV team. He didn't make varsity. Well, it upset him. He goes home crying, but he was even more upset that his other friend, who was in 10th grade, did make the varsity team. And the reason was is his friend was six foot seven. And so the team had lost all their height the year before, and the team was short. They needed taller players, so they moved this guy up to varsity. And Michael Jordan could not let it go. And so he talks about that being one of the first things that put a log on that fire of his competitive drive. And so this uh, guy's name is Leroy Smith. And so when Michael Jordan was inducted into the Hall of Fame, you might guess who one of his guests were that he invited to come to his Hall of Fame and, uh, when he was going to be inducted. Leroy Smith is sitting out there in the crowd. During his speech, Michael Jordan brings him up points him out the cameras are on him and everything and uh he said he wanted everybody to know that they had made a mistake when they they took him picked him over him on that team and uh and and as it goes they say that the varsity players actually started going to watch the jv games because michael jordan he he probably started growing too but he kept getting so much better uh, uh in that but uh he took this and he would never let it go he used it as fuel, and even to this day, as far as I know, I don't think it's changed. Anywhere he travels, you can't go check into a hotel under the name Michael Jordan, in case you're, you're wondering. That just doesn't work. So guess what name he uses to check into hotels? He is Mr. Leroy Smith everywhere that he goes. He just he keeps constantly reminds himself uh, about this. But the thing about it was is he was always Michael Jordan. His time had not yet come to fulfill the destiny that he had. And see, everyone in here, like she said, everyone wants to be first pick, and they feel like they're, everybody feels like they're getting left behind. Everybody feels like, oh, I don't know why this is happening for somebody else. If you look around and get your eyes on other people, you're going to have that thought, why is this happening for them and not for me? You are God's first pick. Every single one of us are God's first pick. He knows what he's doing. It's just not always in our timing and in the way that we would like to see those things happen, but we have to just continue to stay faithful and trust his plan for our lives. 
And I really think that Aaron likes Michael Jordan so much because I think it validates his personal obsession when he loses. Like, I mean, the stories that I hear about him losing pickup basketball and then going out and, and tell that story. It's not, there's nothing to it. I just can't sleep for about three days. And three then I'm, days then I'm good. I'm good after sleep that. <laughs> until they could play again, and then he won. I mean, I, so I, I, I personally think that that's why Aaron likes Michael Jordan so much. But... Anything? Just like the setback in Michael Jordan's life prepared and continued to prepare him for his destiny, the same thing happened to David as he was chosen for the far less glamorous job of taking care of the sheep. You see, you think about a shepherd and think these are just ultra safe moments, but he had crazy dangerous things happen to him. He was fighting off predators like lions and bears that were much bigger than he was. He was getting used to relying on God for strength. So when the moment came to face Goliath, his trust muscles were strong and he was ready. What if he had rushed the process? And when that moment came to encounter that giant, he didn't have the trust muscles prepared. David was able to turn those moments of work into opportunities of worship. And actually, you may not know, but the word for work in the Old Testament is the same as worship. Sometimes in the moments of being faithful to the work we've been entrusted to do, the work that you've been entrusted to do, that oftentimes, like we say, ministry doesn't just happen in the church. We're talking about every day, the work that you have been called to do, turning that into worship. We're actually worshiping through our obedience and our faithfulness when we choose to look at life this way. In the moments, the quiet moments of communion that David was able to have with God, he wasn't allowing the voice of the enemy to drown out what God was saying or who he knew his God to be. These moments were training him to hear what the voice of his father actually sounded like. And so now it takes us to the second reason that we believe a lot of people choose not to host God's presence, and it's simply because we're listening to the wrong voice. If you think about it, all of the men other than, than David... All those other men, they had heard Goliath coming out twice a day for 40 days, spewing nothing but threats of death and destruction and just cursing them and tearing them down over and over and over again. So they were all scared, except for David. See, while they were being brainwashed from listening to the voice of the enemy, David was strengthening himself in the Lord. David was building himself. David was doing what the Father had told him to do. And see, God was keeping the ground of David's mind safe so that, that he would be prepared and that he would be ready for what God had in store for him. In Matthew 13, verse 7, where Jesus is talking about the sower and the seed, it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Now, we all know this parable. I've spoken about this parable here already. And, and we know that the seed is the word and that it produces a harvest. But have you ever thought about what the thorns come from or where the thorns come from? Those thorns that spring up are going to come from a seed as well. And it's the seeds of other voices instead of the voice of the Father. See, some people aren't hosting the presence of the Lord upon their lives because they're listening to the wrong voice and or, or voices, I guess. See, some people's minds are so full of thorns from listening to the wrong voice over and over and over for so long that they're not fulfilling the destiny that God has for them. That's why we need to renew our minds. That's why we have to cultivate the soil of our, of our lives uh, with the Word of God and be transformed. See, we need to listen to and we need to listen for the voice of God. We need to have that seed of His Word 
in our hearts, not the seed of other voices that's, that's only going to produce the thorns. And so David's brothers and the other soldiers, they're scared because of the voice of the enemy, the voice that they had been listening to, and because they had been talking among themselves, agreeing with that voice, repeating what that voice was saying over and over and over again. Sounds like a lot like the situation we find ourselves in as the church today. Talking about everything bad that's going on. Talking about everything, how, how much darker it's getting and all these other things. What voice are we listening to? Are we focused on the thorns of gloom and doom or are we focused on the harvest of revival and the glory of God, the voice of the Father? See, sometimes even with the best of intentions, we will uh, invite or, or even entertain other voices. And many times we do this because we have this desire to, to understand everything. We have this desire to be able to explain everything instead of just trusting God. And that's why we can be real religious and not live a life led by the Spirit. That's why we can follow all the rules and still not be hosting the presence of God in our lives and not be making a difference uh, in our lives. That's why we have so many different denominations that all they want to do is argue about doctrine and theology over and over because religion wants to understand everything. It wants to be able to explain it all. There are a lot of things that I don't understand and there are even more things that I can't explain. But the reality of it is that we, if we can understand and explain everything that we're experiencing in our, in our lives as Christians right now, then we're living inferior lives as Christians. We're living inferior Christian lives if we can explain it all because His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. See, if we want to host the presence of God, if we want to be led by the Spirit, the question that we need to ask ourselves isn't, do I understand this? The question shouldn't be, can I explain this? The question is, did I hear from God? Yeah. The question is, is this what the Word says? And you have, have people that... They don't even listen for the voice of the Father, and, and many of them, they mean well, but they don't hear God's voice because they're so busy chasing giants. Maybe you've been around someone like that. They're always looking for a fight. They're always out there trying to get something, something going. David didn't do that. He was ready to face the giant when the time came, but he was just following the Father's orders. He wasn't looking for a fight. See, it's when we listen to the Father's voice that we that we not only meet up with the giants, but the giants will fall. If you meet up with a giant without the presence of God, I feel sorry for you. But there's a lot of people, that's exactly what they do. We need to listen for the voice of the Father and let Him bring us to and through that victory that He has set up for us already in His plan. And we're talking about hearing the voice of the Father and... Um I've encountered this lie of the enemy. I, I would believe that probably you have as well, that God just doesn't speak to me. Have you ever thought that? That God, I don't hear his voice. He's not speaking to me. He doesn't speak to me like he speaks to them. Like I don't really know how to hear his voice. Well, that is a lie of the enemy that we've allowed to take root, that seed of a lie of the enemy, because I have never encountered a good father who from the moment that that baby is in the mama's belly doesn't speak to that baby because he desires for that baby to know his voice. I have never encountered a good father who even in the moments where that child may not be listening the greatest just just acts like he ignores him and won't speak to him. And, and the Bible says that the Lord is a good father, better than even the best father on earth. He is speaking to you. So don't believe the lie of the enemy that says that he is not. 
we just are having to spend time with him so that we can hear him because his sheep know his voice. And the shepherd is speaking. We just have to learn what his voice sounds like, right? So that's, that's one of the lies of the enemy that we want to uproot because the father is speaking over you. He's a good father. He is not ignoring you. If he's going to speak to me, he's going to speak to you. Because he's wherever, but everybody is his favorite. So just, you know, take that down. But when we talk about hearing the voice of God, we're talking about through his written word and through Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit. You see, it is important that we stay balanced. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's a promise. We are to hunger and thirst. This brings balance. We hunger for the bread of life, which is the word of God. And we thirst for the water of Holy Spirit, both in the same. Um, one time, Jill and I, we played a volleyball tournament. And, <laughs> poor thing, she always encourages me during the tournament, but I literally know that every time a point is scored against us, it's my fault. But we actually, this was a good tournament because we won. But um, we were playing, and it was super, super hot at White Lake. I mean, super hot. And you know, when you're really hot like that, you don't want to eat. You don't. So I, I just thought in all of my grand wisdom that as long as I stayed drinking, I'd be okay. Because I was like, I'm like, no, I'm not going to get dehydrated. I'm going to keep drinking. Aaron would come over from his court and be like, babe, you have to eat. Babe, you have, like he would keep telling me that I had to eat. And I would ignore him because I know my own body. And I know what I need to do. So I just kept drinking. Well... We drinking water. Water. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I don't even. And and Diet Pepsi. And Diet Pepsi. Uh, you know, just to keep going. But we won, which so it was great, super cool. And on the way home, I got sick as a dog. Like it was bad because I had not listened and I didn't have that balance in my body. I had, I, I was not dehydrated, but I hadn't eaten like I was told to eat. That's what happens in our spirits if we have too much of one and not the balance of the other. That's what we're talking about, spiritual balance. And we're she talking didn't trust about, my 20, over 20 years of experience of playing tournaments. Well, because you know, we know better, right? But, um... <laughs> Never again. I'll never do that again. But the truth of the matter is that sometimes, depending on what we're going through, we feel like we just want to experience Holy Spirit because it feels so good. Sometimes we don't feel like reading the word like we should because we're not as hungry for that as we may be. But spiritual balance is so important because when we don't have that balance, we can go out in left field and become fanatical to one extreme or the other. We have to have both because if we're talking about, because the word of God is powerful, it's a, it's a two-edged sword. It's incredible what the word can do in our lives. But if we don't have the balance of Holy Spirit, we can become legalistic. It can be about religion and not relationship. But if we go far off on the other. And you can get deceived. Right. You need strength and. By every wave of doctrine. Hydration. That goes to and fro. Um, and that's the thing. If we, if we lean too much towards just all spirit and none of the word grounding us. I mean, that's why it talks about in James. Not to be swept to and fro by every wave of doctrine. 
That's what the Lord is talking about. And there are many good people that because of not understanding this balance and because of a fear or a concern of getting too carried away, they'll fall into the third reason that some won't host his presence, and that's an unwillingness to yield to Holy Spirit. Um, Holy Spirit, for one, hasn't been given his proper place in a lot of church. Holy Spirit is one of the three of the Godhead. He's incredibly important to our spiritual life. And if we are not willing to yield to him, whatever that looks like over our lives, that's a very dangerous place to be. Many people still haven't come to the realization that Holy Spirit is our helper. Like Aaron said, if we think that we're going to understand it all, we're limiting God. And if Holy Spirit is God, then he's so much more than just an emotional experience in the altar. Whenever the fire falls in a service, those are incredible moments, but there's so much more to him than that. There's still a lot of people, a lot of church people that allow fear and the fear of man to keep us from being yielded to Holy Spirit. We have to be yielded to him if we're going to host the presence of God. It's incredibly important. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And if we are not obeying Holy Spirit, Because of fear, where fear is, freedom can't be. And if freedom isn't there, Holy Spirit isn't. They all, it it all falls one to the other. And if you think about it, that's how David fought his giant. When Saul's armor didn't fit, he did not try to find someone else's because he didn't want to look or act like someone else. It's like Aaron said, I feel sorry for you if you go to attack a giant, and then you end up running because you're attacking the wrong giant. I, I can't go after yours. You can't go after mine. We talk about praise and worship, and it's not just on the stage. If we're talking about work being worship, everybody here is a worshiper. Everybody is a carrier of his presence, and we all have a message that only you can bring. I can't bring yours. You can't bring mine. And if you're always trying to be someone else or to compete with someone else, you will never be able to operate out of the freedom of the Lord. Do you believe that? Because if you're trying to put on my armor to fight your fight, you will never succeed. In comparison, that's just the thief of creativity in being unique in, in the presence of the Lord. And David never tried to be someone else. He just wanted to be a son fully surrendered to his father. And we need to be yielded to the Spirit. And the uh, Holy Spirit does all kind of amazing things for us. But yet so many people don't want to have anything to do with Him. And uh, one of the analogies I like to use for uh, the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a flat tire. I know it sounds weird, but pretend for a moment that we're all flat tires in here. It, it's not going to do you any good. You can't go anywhere, can't do anything, can't carry a load, can't, it's nothing to it. But so to, what a lot of people do is they get to that place in their lives where they just feel deflated. They feel like they just can't go another mile. You can't, when you're flat, you're not going to go another mile. And uh, so what happens is, is they go and they, they come to an altar, or they ask someone for prayer, or they get out the Bible and they go to the Lord and the Holy Spirit, is he's, he's there to help lift you up. And so, in a sense, they get blown back up. And they're inflated now. And man, they have an awesome encounter 
of God's presence, maybe a big emotional experience, maybe not, depending on the person. And we're just so ecstatic at the church. And then guess what happens next week? You don't see them because they're flat again. <laughs> if, you, if you have a tire and it's deflated and you just fill it up and don't do anything else, the next morning when you go out, it's going to be flat again. And so when that, the, that emotional experience, uh, in whatever way it happens, when it, when it settles down and no repairs have been made, that person is back in that same condition. And then you don't see them for weeks or months or whatever the situation may be. Holy Spirit, He's going to be there to lift you up, to inflate you, but that's not, that's not all that it, it's not just to feel good. That's all that a lot of people, even that believe in Holy Spirit or talk about Holy Spirit, they're always talking about a feeling. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. Like I said, He's there to, to, to build you up, to inflate you and those things. But when a tire is flat, I am totally not a mechanic, but when a tire is flat... <laughs> Sometimes it's obvious there's a screw or a nail in there that you could see a mile away. You can hear the air hissing out of that tire. Not a big deal. But sometimes there's just a leak and you can't find it. And so what they do when that happens is they first, they, the tire has to be inflated. There's nothing wrong with that experience that the person has. The problem is, is when all they're being taught is to go after that experience and not to really go after God. It doesn't lead them to the real destination of defeating the giants that God has in their lives. And so when they blow the tire up or inflate the tire up, they spray this solution on it, some kind of soap and water solution. I don't know exactly what it is, but it might just be that. It might just be soap and water. And they, they spray it all over the tire, and wherever the leak's at, it starts blowing bubbles, starts bubbling up on the tire. And now that they've found that leak, it's repaired. And once they repair it, they inflate the tire to the proper pressure. And then guess what they do again? They spray it again so that they can make sure that everything has been taken care of. The first time that they spray that tire, and we know the Holy Spirit is the water. Heather was just talking about, about hunger and thirst. The first time that the tire is covered in the, the water solution is to reveal the problem. The second time it's covered in the solution, uh, in, the, in the water, is to prove the solution. Prove that it's, the repair has been made. And see, that's what Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He's there to inflate you when you're down and you feel like you're at the bottom and you can't go any further. But then He wants to cover you with His presence in a way that begins to reveal those things that put you in that place to begin with so that He can then repair, help you repair those things and make the changes you need to make and then cover with you with His presence again to show that you're where you need to be to do what God's called you to do. I feel like we could just close with that. That was good. The Holy Spirit is not only a helper, but he's a revealer. Uh, that's one of the things that I feel like people are so afraid of allowing Holy Spirit to have free reign in our lives because we're afraid what he's going to reveal, and we don't trust his goodness that he's going and willing to repair it once he does reveal it. He is, he is not going to reveal something and not, a, not give us the ability to, to fix that or to handle it. That's just, that's just not what he does. Um, when, when I had my experience with, um, and, and some of you have heard my father's story, some of you have not, but whenever we were at a conference and then that man was sitting beside me, it, it wasn't emotionally worked up. We were just sitting, enjoying seeing other people being touched by Holy Spirit, and then he just looked over me and had that conversation and just said what he did, asking, 
if he could just just speak to me, asking for forgiveness for someone who had done something in my life. And then in that moment, it's like it like what Aaron was talking about. It was almost like Holy Spirit had revealed something that I didn't know was there. It wasn't an emotionally worked up experience, but he revealed something. But then when I felt that work going on in my own, like I, I and I don't get incredibly worked up like that, but I felt like my heart, there was almost emotionally some surgery happening. It was, it was crazy what was happening. Holy Spirit revealed something and then he was just starting the healing process. He's going to reveal things in your life. He's not going to do that for me and not do it for you. But the way that he reveals it may look different. But that doesn't change the fact that that's one of the things that he longs to do in your life. And part of that is just wanting to host his presence. Um, sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves over us, he's going to reveal cracks and fractures in our lives. Um, sometimes they're because of our own choices. Sometimes it's because things that have happened to us. I mean, you can't... If, if, if something happens, it's not like it's... It's because necessarily you've done something wrong, but that doesn't change the fact that that cracker fractures there and it needs to be repaired because like Aaron said, we won't get to the destination that we were intended to on flat tires. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't change the fact it's still a tire even if it's flat. There's just some work that needs to be done. A fractured past does not have to mean a broken future. That's not your story. Even if you've had these experiences, no one else knows about. Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit knows what's going on in you right now, even if no one else does. He wants to reveal the cracks so that he can move. And when he moves, that we can feel him. That stuff doesn't get lost. If the fractured places aren't healed, we will never feel his fullness. It's just the truth. There's always going to be that slash that something's going to get lost in. We have to allow him to reveal the places so that when he flows, we can feel the full stream because he's already shown us and proven to us. He desires to partner with us. He's already shown that he wants us to host his presence because he wants to be a part of our daily lives. But the question is, will we partner with him? Will we host his presence? And partnering with him is the key to, to everything. Uh, I was reading a book um, by uh, a, this rabbi, and he was talking about uh, during his training, um, this, his wise teacher, and this guy would put him through all kind of crazy stuff uh, because he would just tell him to meet him somewhere. And he's kind of like Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid movies. He would just do weird, strange stuff, and, and, and the guy's getting aggravated, and then he's like learning lessons that would change him forever. So he had him meet him in this, uh, this kind of desert area, and he didn't want to go because there was kind of a, a windstorm going on. And uh, the guy's late, like usual. He shows up late. The teacher's always late. So he gets there late, and he just points him in the direction that the wind is blowing toward him and says, now start walking. That's his only instructions. No, no you know, long lecture talk, which my kids would appreciate because I always give a long lecture. But he just walks, and he says that the wind, the sand's cutting his face, that it's, you know, it's just starting to get painful, and he can barely go. And uh, the guy tells him to stop then, and he, he comes to him, and he says, uh, what have you learned about walking in the wind? He says, well, it's painful. I'm not going to get very far. He said, what do you think would happen if you kept walking? He said, I don't really don't know because I'm tired, and, you know, he said, my face is cut up. It feels, you know, I feel wind burnt. I feel all these different things. And uh, he said, turn around and walk back. 
So he turns around and he walks back. He, he goes back. He says, now what did you learn? He said, well, it was a lot easier walking with the wind pushing me the way I was supposed to go. The sand didn't seem to be bothering me. I could see clearly. I did all those different things. And he told him, he says, that's how it is with the presence of God. If you continue to live your life walking against the presence of God and what his will for your life is, it's going to always be a struggle. And like I say, it kind of makes you wonder when you talk to that person who always tells you how hard it is to be a Christian. I just, I still don't understand that. We all face trials and we all face troubles, but I sure would rather face them with God on my side than to face them without him. It kind of makes you wonder which way are you walking when everything is, you know, is constantly that way. It's time that we just learn to change directions and go with the flow of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to go across those same areas or face some of those same things, but He's going to be there helping you and pushing you along the way. And so we just want to encourage all of you to live a life led by Holy Spirit. Live a life hosting the presence of God uh, with all that you do. Hey, Father, we just thank you for this time today in your house. We thank you for your people, God, and we just... Thank you, Lord, that you want us to host your presence. You want us to live a life led by the Spirit. God, we just ask that you would just begin to speak to hearts today, Lord, and to minds, Lord, and that we would, we would understand the importance of allowing you to reveal those things in our lives, God. And, Lord, that we would be obedient, Lord, and we would go through that process, God, so that we're ready to go where you would have us to go. We don't want to be, we don't want to be stuck in the same old place, not able to move. God, we want to be uh, healed and inflated and ready to go where you would have us to go. God, we pray for those that are sick in body today. Lord, here, the ones that aren't here, we pray for strength. We pray for healing, for faith and Tommy and Sister Lillian, God. And we just speak your blessings over each one, God. And we just ask that you bless every person who, who comes forward this morning to ask for a special touch from you and your Holy Spirit, God. And we just give you honor and glory. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 10.45 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect Groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.